What's up, Ego Hackers? This is the C.S. Joseph Podcast. Welcome to the show. So today's question, another acolyte question, because I seem to be getting a bunch of those these days. And uh, it just keeps piling on, but it's great. It's always nice to have uh, different content to talk about on top of our regularly scheduled content, which, by the way, speaking of regularly scheduled content, I'm going to be releasing episodes very soon on the YouTube channel and on the podcast relating to the concept known as duality. Uh, we're going to be discussing duels uh, from the MBTI perspective and lightly touching on the socionics perspective to try to like dispel some of like the weird or the, the bullshit basically in terms of how confusing it can be to determine the difference between the two systems and then how they impact relationships, especially sexual relationships among the 16 types. Besides, I mean, we're be discussing compatibility and camaraderie, so what's not to love? It's basically going to be, uh, I believe, season, season 14, part three. And we're going to be making that available here on uh, the YouTube channel and the podcast. So make sure that you guys are tuning in to that when it comes out. Don't forget, you can also get season 14, part one, which is uh, the sexuality series. Uh, season 14 is the uh, sexuality season, basically. The first eight episodes of those are available uh, among the Discover XYZ type, which those are one-time fee. They're available at uh, csjoseph.life forward slash portal and uh, or forward slash just input in whatever type it is and then you'll get to that page. And then also uh, season 14 part two is available on uh, for the members in the members area in the journeyman uh, pri uh, premium lectures area. So if you want to make sure that you're up to date on season 14 and uh, the specific relationship content I suggest you actually get all of that so you like have the full story so that you can continue on with season 14 part 3 when it's released on YouTube and on the podcast. Anyway, today's question, which is actually kind of related uh, to what I was just talking about, related to the content of season 14 and turns to sexuality, it's basically about INFPs and how can you tell if an INFP is being a hoe? And I'm just like, well, hold on. I have some sub questions to that. Are we talking INFP men? Are we talking INFP women? Like, how are you defining hoe exactly? You know, are we using a colloquial definition? Are we going to use urbandictionary.com to define that? Like, what exactly, what is the entire perspective here of what's being asked? It's funny because uh, I really like it how sometimes the acolytes they, they do a little bit of extra research and they add in additional information just to make sure that their question is properly clarified so they can get the most value out of the question, right? So no problem. I'm happy to, to do whatever. And at least, you know, at least like I'm getting some really killer questions recently. That way I don't have to like email them back and be like, hey, can you just give me a different question or a better question or can you say it a different way? You know, sometimes they just get too general or sometimes they can be almost way too specific. 
specific as in its content that we haven't exactly released yet. We're not exactly ready to release it yet. Uh, but as soon as we release content, I'm happy to answer questions related to that content as well, which is what we've been doing for Deadly Sins and Living Virtues and ultimately what we're calling Temple Exploration. Anyway, so the point is, how can you tell if an INFP is being a hoe? How can you tell? Well, let's just, let's just answer this question like from a two-part perspective. Let's look at INFP males. So first things first, you need to actually look at the virtue and vice of INFPs, which is available at season seven, part one. Season seven, part one is a playlist here on the YouTube and on the podcast. Please check out that playlist. So uh, season seven, part one, and I believe it's season seven, episode 16, which talks about uh, the virtue and vice of INFPs. Now, when I talk virtue and vice INFPs, I'm not talking about deadly sins and living virtues. Those are completely different concepts as part of temple exploration. Virtue and vice is just basically neutral, typical neutral behaviors that come as a result of anyone being XYZ type. It's like at a, uh, it's at the layer of their ego and a little bit of their shadow, a little bit of their subconscious, but most of their ego. Whereas temple exploration really focuses on the dyads, the dyad being like, so if you're an INFP ego, the ESTJ is your subconscious. If you're an ESTJ ego, the INFP would be your subconscious. So the ESTJ plus the INFP is the dyad. So for those of you that are just like, unaware or confused by the high volume of terminology we actually use. It's not intentional, but I try to stay on point with our terminology. Yes, I know sometimes our terminology changes and that can be really frustrating to a lot of people, but we try to keep it all up to date whenever possible. So if you're not sure about certain terminology or terms that I use, just stick to the newer videos or just watch them all so you can kind of understand. But worst case, however, everything will eventually be defined and provided in the companion guide. Second edition is about to release. We already have third edition planned and we're gonna be working on third edition very soon. But the second edition will be made available. First edition is available now for free at csjoseph.life. Just scroll down. It's the button that's below. Take the personality test button. So it's like three blocks down from the top and get companion guide here, just click that button. You get a copy of the type grid and uh, a lot of explanation as to how the type grid works. But it does not include any of the new uh, temple exploration vectors that we're utilizing for interacting with the type grid when it comes to typing people. Make sure you guys get that resource. So INFPs being hosts. So remember the virtue and vice of the INFP is loyalty versus treachery, right? And INFPs, especially INFP women, can be insanely treacherous when it comes to being relationships. And I actually disagree with the concept that men can be hoes. They're not really held to that same standard women are because sexuality is basically the main agency that a woman has in her life. Like for example, as uh, the author Tomasi would say, you know, this is why when women protest, they always get naked when they're protesting as you know as an example proving that sexuality is their main agency as a woman basically compared to men not so much so literally answering this question is is like okay do you believe if, is there such thing as a man hoe basically the thing is is that men are often rewarded and positively reinforced by fellow men for you know 
being a hoe, I guess, and having an exorbitantly high notch count on their bed bedpost. So, be that as it may, when someone typically says a hoe, I'm actually thinking like, yeah, they're probably most likely referring to a woman and not actually a man. So, and besides like INFP men as, as hoes, I, I just don't see it. I really don't really see it. Like INFP men, I mean, visually they almost look, they typically look unattractive for the most part. They usually don't know how to dress. They have poor performance skills due to their expert sensing trickster. And uh, they're not very good at passing shit tests. They don't really understand the concept of peacocking, you know, like the typical game principles that most people would be aware of. And by the way, when I'm talking game principles, like, yeah, these things are discussed in the mystery method. They're discussed in Neil Strauss's The Game. But for the most part, I don't really, I don't really recommend those books anymore. Rational Mail Volume 5 basically handles a lot of that and actually brings it in an updated modern format where it actually makes sense. But the point is, is that INFP men, I guess in general, typically, almost always, like well above 80%, this is well above Pareto principle here, they just lacked, they just lack game. They just entirely lack game. So because of that, these men do not often actually have the opportunity to be a hoe. They don't have high body counts. They don't have high notch counts. So the idea that an INFP man is 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 a hoe, if you're gonna label an INFP man a hoe, it's likely not true. It's likely just your ego investments or you, maybe you're just having some kind of emotional reaction that's not actually based on fact because statistically, it's just not likely. I mean, if anyone was to tell me that like an INFP man was being a hoe, I'd just be like, yeah, no, doesn't happen, not likely. I mean, there's, like, don't get me wrong, there's probably like, you know, the top 1% of the 1% of INFP men who are getting like tons of girls and having huge high body counts. Yeah, sure, that can happen. But I've maybe seen that once, maybe twice in my entire life. So no, like no, don't really, I, not really seeing it, not really seeing it, not really uh, open to that idea. INFP women, however, that's something interesting. So what causes INFP women being hoes? I mean, other than their just basic, you know, sexual strategy of hypergamy, where a woman throughout her life desires men who provide her different things depending on the circumstances of her life as well as her age. You know, women have this thing in the back of their head where they realize that they have an expiration date, their sexuality basically decays over time and they have to work really, really hard to preserve and uh, slow the, uh, the progression of the decay uh, towards their sexuality, towards their beauty throughout their life. This is known as the wall. And like when they get around about 30 years of age, is usually when they're starting to feel like they're uh, they are expired, and you know, women in general, when they're about 26, 27, they have this epiphany where they realize that the looks that they had from 18 to 25, uh, they don't have them anymore, and they can no longer compete with younger girls for the absolute best specimen of a man or men out there, best specimens of men out there, the top four and a half percent of men. They can't really compete for them anymore. 
And then usually at epiphany phase is about when they start being hoes because they end up having a bunch of, uh, they splurge on sexual relationships just to see what their looks, what their beauty, what their sexual market value at that point in time can still get them because they realize, oh crap, I'm about to expire. I should probably reproduce. This is why statistically women in general get married in Western society on average at age 29. So at least they could still claim that they got married in their 20s. Hypergamy, you know, their sexual strategy. You know, it's like, it's like, hey, you know, I want a really alpha man at this particular time of my life. I want a really beta man at another time of my life. Alpha man being like, has a uh, strong attitude, doesn't put up with crap from anyone. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, has good genes, very uh, healthy fitness, uh, willing to uh, throw down if necessary, doesn't put up with shit from anyone. Versus the beta male who provides parental investment, uh, provisioning, protection, money, those kinds of things, right? And ultimately it's men's responsibility to actually provide both to a woman that he is intending on making the mother of his children to, he is expected to provide both to a woman simultaneously. Most people call this purple pill. I think the blue pill and the red pill are, you know, the alpha versus the beta dichotomy is an important dichotomy and men just need to learn how to navigate both simultaneously for their own uh, benefit while never sacrificing oneself you know, because you don't want to make the red pill your frame. You don't want to make the blue pill your frame. You don't want to sacrifice your own self to any particular side of a woman's hypergamy. It's very important because like, for example, I've, I've even known like alpha men whose wives have uh, cheated on them with way lesser men with far more beta men who actually make a lot more money, you know, depending on how their hypergamy changes. But like INFP women, you know, that, that doesn't change, but they can be very, very, very treacherous. And, you know, most people think, you know, well, man, men can be hosed too. And it's because the male sexual strategy of polygyny, but that's not actually the case. You know, in general, you can kind of take a man at his word, but you can't really take women at their word, not because they're liars, but because they change their minds constantly. And their emotional perspective, making decisions based on emotions instead of facts, their emotions change on a dime and as much as their hormones change on a dime. So you can't really judge a woman by, she, by what she says, you have to judge her by her actions. Which can actually be extremely difficult to do when you're considering an INFP woman because they're just so unnoticeable. Oftentimes when INFP women cheat or when they're being hosed, you don't really see it coming. You don't really even notice about them. It's actually something that wouldn't even come to mind. And they're going out of their way to hide that side of themselves so desperately because of their expert thinking inferior. They are afraid of what other people think of them. And the last thing that they want to deal with is being judged by fellow women as a hoe because that would put up a warning to men in their life that they are not as sexually viable and not good enough for investment or good enough for a relationship. So they go out of the way to hide it as much as possible so that they do not end up reducing their options. Why? Well, it's because men in general don't want to be committed or in relationships with hoes. Because, you know, if a woman has a, a history of being a hoe, 
she's going to be remain a hoe and be a hoe later. You know, statistically, like risk of divorce and those types of things that men have to deal with get way worse if a woman has more than two sex partners in her life, including the man that she is with that he is that he's afraid of her divorcing him, basically. So, you know, the women that are statistically safe are the ones who have one or less partners with you being the second partner that's on their body count list. And those are the women that I would recommend turning into mothers because statistically, you're not gonna get screwed from a divorce perspective. Divorce being something that ultimately destroys the lives of men as we know it. You know, losing assets, losing access to their own children, paying alimony, etc. Insanely exorbitant and unfair uh, child support, right? These kinds of things are consistent problems over time that men just are not properly educated with, um, well, managing it. I mean, like, for example, like marriage is the contract no one gets legal advice on. So that's, that's also a problem. So when it comes to, you know, INFP women, they're so subtle, they're so sneaky. It's really hard to tell if they are being hoes. It's really difficult. And it's probably why this question was asked because it's, it's really hard. Because they're so sneaky. They're extremely sneaky. And the thing is too, is that like, they'll actually go out of their way to spin a narrative and share that narrative with a bunch of people in order to support their hoish behavior or maybe their cheating behavior. And it's like mixing truth with lies so that you don't actually know that they are being, that they're a traitor, that they're being treacherous towards you from a cheating perspective or that they're loose, that they have a wide variety of sexual partners and they're always just playing their options, right? And it turns them into this non-committal state. The thing is, is that oftentimes, you know, INFP women start to realize, you know, with their sloth deadly sin, that it's just easier for them to play their options instead of actually having to commit to an individual man, because if she commits to an individual man, she's going to have to work a lot harder. There's expectations that men have of women, from women, in terms of relationships. Like, for example, getting pregnant and having a child. Men like having children predominantly. If men don't like have children, they're either pussies or they're fighting really hard. And, uh, you know, uh, in the society that makes having children too expensive or, uh, you know, the way that their life is or they've just bought into a lot of crap, you know, in terms of like, hey, I've been conditioned to think that having children is a bad thing which you can oftentimes really figure out. Like you go down to California, that's their culture there, but then you come up here in Idaho and it's like, yeah, no, uh, bloodlines matter. Men in Idaho really care about their bloodline, whereas in California, men are willing to submit to the uh, conditioning, the psychological conditioning that they've received by society as is designed by the elite in order for their bloodlines to end because the elite's desire is to ultimately end bloodlines while preserving their own. So the people who are way less educated, the far more profane cattle-like people out there, especially beta males, for example, don't really care that much about their bloodline because they have been conditioned to think or feel that it is a bad thing to do so, right? Whereas from my perspective, I very much care about my bloodline. That's why I will continue to have children potentially indefinitely. I don't care. Like, if I have if I have 12 children, so be it. I have 12 children, you know, like, and I love each of them. 
and care for each of them and raise each of them accordingly. No problem. Um, you know, like children are super, super important and they teach you a lot of lessons and having a bloodline, your family is a support structure that you would never have anywhere else, especially in this society. And men already don't really have a support structure. So men have to actually create a support structure within the context of the family, but also amongst the men in their life. And that was a tangent, so let's get back on topic. So INFP women, like, how do you tell? Well, the thing is, is that like, the first, the first indicator that it, it's literally split attention. You look at what they put their attention on. Do they have a bunch of male friends? Are they splitting their attention that they have for themselves with a bunch of male friends in their life, right? That is a huge indicator that they might actually be a hoe. Uh, are they texting uh, men or do they talk to men? Like, what does their Instagram look like? It's not hard, you know, go look at their Instagram, go look at their Facebook. What are they doing on social media? Do they have an OnlyFans? That's a huge red flag, right? Uh, you know, uh, do they tell different things to different people, which happens a lot with INFPs. INFPs are very good at wearing masks and telling people different narratives and keeping track of the different narratives that they tell certain people is also something that they're very capable of doing. It's kind of interesting because you can see ENTP women doing that as well. And ENTP women are the masters of that. But that's not to say that INFP women are not just as capable because they really are. They understand narrative than anyone else, especially when they're going out of their way to absolve themselves or potentially generate excuses or at least outsource power and authority to other people, especially women in their life who would always run for them and bolster their reputation. Because to them, it's all about managing their reputation. So if you look at a woman who is exhibiting typical hoish behavior, having a wide variety of male friends, texting them consistently, talking to them on social media, or they are speaking to men on a regular basis when they go out in public, especially in like a bar scene or whatever sexualized zone that is, could be a club, etc. You know, whereas like it probably wouldn't happen so much in the workplace because men are very conditioned to not approach a woman at all from a uh, relationship perspective at all in the workplace. But, you know, it's like, but they're highly encouraged to do so in like in the bar scene, for example, or a club scene, right? All these things count. All of these things matter, right? So the reality of the situation ends up becoming like, if she's exhibiting these general behaviors, you likely have a hoe on your hand. You know, you, you likely do. And like, this actually happened to my father-in-law. You know, he was in the military. He ended up, um, he ended up marrying this INFP girl. He had a child with her, but she cheated on him multiple times. And she ended up becoming a total hoe because from her perspective, it's like, hey, you know, yeah, being committed is great, but he's not really around. I don't really feel wanted. I wanna be, I wanna feel wanted by other people. I wanna be respected by men in general. Because these INFP hoes, they really end up tacking on their self-worth based on how much men in general respect them. And if they have a volume of men where they feel that these men respect them or at least regard them in some capacity, sometimes they, they fantasize in their FI hero delusions and just it's like, hey, you know, these men, they, you know, they, they want me and they respect me and I, and I have sex with them 
and multiple times I got, I'm playing my options, etc. And then it's like, they end up feeling special. They end up feeling powerful. Like they have some kind of power over men in the process. But that's not, that's not accurate at all. It really just isn't accurate. But they all think that that's how it works. And it's like, no, no, it's not. It's just you trying to cope with your feelings of powerlessness and you're trying to utilize playing your sexual options as a way for you to feel less powerless in your life. Because are you truly desirable enough to actually have a man commit to you? I mean, because women control access to sexuality as much as men control access to relationships or committed relationships, right? And are these hoes really getting it? No, they're doing, they're taking the easy road. They're taking the slothful easy road of I'm just going to play my options because if I have to cook and clean, if I have to, you know, put a man above myself, then that makes me less of a woman, especially in today's feminized uh, society, in today's feminized environment. And that could be a huge problem. Literally, these women, these INFP hoes are walking around feeling bad about themselves, feeling like lesser women if they have to commit to a man, if they have to put in the effort that it takes to actually keep a man. So because they're slothful, they'd rather play their options instead of, and, and by the way, they won't have options forever. They won't. Like as soon as they get in their early 30s, their options, like they start like, usually when they hit like 27, their options start going down and down and their options will decay for like the rest of their life. When they really need to realize is that investing into one man, a man that they know they're compatible with, a man that they trust, a man that is willing to go through, jump through all of her hoops to, uh, to make her feel wanted. And as a man who respects himself such that he does not respect her more than himself, but she still respects her as a secondary behavior, not a primary behavior. A primary behavior of self-respect is more important. At that point in time, perhaps she could actually be comfortable in being in a committed relationship. But if she's a hoe, she's not going to be comfortable. And then that treacherous uh, vice that INFPs have end up coming out. And it's like, from their perspective, hey, I want this guy because he provides me alpha traits. I want that guy because he provides me beta traits. And they're never actually able to consolidate on both. And every time they use this temporary fix to help them get over their feelings of powerlessness by playing their options, they actually intrinsically reduce their value as women and end up making it that much harder especially since their sexual reputation will be there indefinitely as much as they try to hide. And they're very good at hiding it, but eventually someone will figure it out. Once they've been figured out, it's like, oh crap, I've just reduced my, uh, like I've reduced my option at having a high value man because they're continuing to reduce their own value by increasing their body count over time. A lot of women out there are offended by this on a consistent basis. When the thing is though, is that like, a man doesn't want to invest in a woman who has so much emotional baggage from other men. When women have a sexual relationship with a man, they catch feelings. It's because of the neurotransmitters, like oxytocin, for example, they catch feelings. And it's really hard for them to let go. And they'll always think back, especially like if you're a beta man, you get married to some INFP hoe, and she'll always remember all that alpha cock she used to have in her early 20s and eventually want to go back to that because you're not man enough. You're not manning up, right? And because you're not manning up, she's actually more likely to become treacherous as a result. 
and how they get treacherous look at who do they talk to how many how many how many men in their life do they talk to it's one of the things like you know i look at um look at their bronze pair like the estp i often know like um like subconscious focus estp women for example they once they decide oh this is the man i want typically they don't really talk to other men they don't interact with other men they actually prevent with any demon using their any demon to prevent communication that they would have potential communication that they would have with other men they actually go out of the way to do that does your infp woman or does this infp woman that you're thinking of is she actually giving or allowing every opportunity available to her to actually be able to interact with men? If she does, and if she's not actively taking action, remember, you can't judge a woman by what she says. You can only judge a woman by how she acts. If she's not taking concrete action to slow down or prevent communication with other men in her life, well, guess what? She's a hoe. You should probably not invest in her anymore. If she's not willing to take, if she's not willing to delete her Instagram, if she's not willing to get off Facebook, if she's not willing to, you know, make those decisions, guess what? She's a hoe. You shouldn't be in a relationship with her. It's not hard. Okay. So my recommendation, guys, avoid hoes. Like, I mean, if you're like spinning plates, you know, having multiple uh, sexual relationships simultaneously, great. Do that. Just understand that the INFP hoe would just be a plate for you. But she's not someone that you wife up. She's not someone you commit to. Yeah, sure, men that wife up women often, you know, do the Ephesians chapter five thing or the, the whole like present, the, bri the bridegroom presents his bride to himself without stain or blemish as it goes biblically, which is basically a man forgiving a woman of her sexual past. Yeah, that's fine. The thing is though, is that if you're not gonna take responsibility and actually realize like that because she was a hoe in her past, she's likely gonna be a hoe later, especially when she hits development phase, which usually starts about 35, 36 years of age. And she starts desiring the alphas she used to have in her past. That's a huge problem. You don't wanna have that problem. Because all of a sudden you got a loose woman on your hands. And let me tell you, as much as women are afraid of being raped and the amount of pain that they suffer when they are raped is the same exact amount of pain a man suffers when he is cucked when she has a sexual relationship with another man, that is not you, you who were committed to her and she was supposed to be committed to you. That is literally how you rape a man. Cucking a man is the same as raping a woman. It is the same. I don't care what anyone says. And if you think differently, you're full of shit. So understand like these are the consequences these are some of the things that you can look for with their behavior, but it really comes down to, are they eliminating opportunities? So we look at like, you know, sunk cost, opportunity cost. Are they eliminating opportunities for them to interact with other men other than you? That's, that's, that's the first question you ask. Next is, what men are they talking to in their life and why? Why are they talking to them? What are they getting out of it, right? Are they are they getting their their little their little te? Oh look, I'm important because this man is talking to me. Thing like, do they put a lot of value? They should be placing more value on you, your their man talking to them themselves, not other men or men in general. They should not be staking their self worth based on other men talking to them. It should only be them staking their self worth based on how you interact with her individually. If not, 
Well, then guess what? She's being a hoe. So you don't want to have any, like... You don't want to invest in women like that. Like, at all. Like, you want to have nothing to do with women like that. It's funny, uh, they think, like, downtown here is, like, the best place to uh, race, apparently. So... But yeah, folks, that's in general how I would answer this question. So thanks for watching and listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.